This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North Podcast. I'm David Hall from 6-7 The Scores, Mully and Haw Show. Dan Weeders from the Chicago Tribune. He's at Hallis Hall. Days away from the Bears and the Browns in Cleveland at the Dog Pound. Dan, it is nice to anticipate a mid-December game that actually has some meaning and the results matter rather than looking at this is just one more step toward getting to the end of the season. Well, it's funny because a few weeks ago, this looked like a dog game in the dog pound. And you remember that the NFL had its choice. It had a menu of five games to choose three for the Saturday slate. And they chose to kick Bears and Browns into the Sunday noon slate, figuring that it wasn't going to be the matchup that it's turning out to be with the Bears trying to cling to their slim playoff hopes and the Browns making a run at their own uh, playoff destination. And and you've got a, a football game here that's really intriguing. Uh, and we'll get into a, a lot of the ins and outs of it. But when you look at an injury report on a Thursday of week 15, it's definitely advantage Chicago Bears at this point. No doubt about it. Let's get right into it with our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. So you look at the Browns on the injury report. And Dan, I wonder if you could weigh this. They are down to backups for backups on the offensive line. They are missing two of their top three tacklers, I believe, in their defense up front and in secondary. They have uh, other injuries that they suffered earlier in the season. They are losing the battle of attrition. So collectively, it's a long list with a lot of key guys out. You counter that with the bad news in Chicago. Yannick Ngakwe breaks his ankle, placed on injured reserve, a defense that really, I think, has been functioning at a very high level. He has not had the type of year he wanted to, but he's a key member of that front four. How do you weigh and balance whose injury situation is going to factor more into this game or who's going to be 
hurting more because of it. The the Browns. The Browns are a, a mess right now. You didn't even mention that they're starting their fourth quarterback of the That's season right. in Joe Flacco, which That's is a right. very Bears-like thing to do is to get that far down uh, the quarterback depth chart in, in a season. They are a mess. And, and, and uh, you know, we'll get into some of it in the numbers game, but you're just – you're beat up there. Now, the Bears with Ngakwe, that injury, the broken ankle, requires surgery, will end his season – would have hurt them more a month and a half ago, ago before Montez Sweat got here. But now, really, all it does is push Demarcus Walker back into a starting role on the edge and then force you, when you get into your third down packages, to compensate there because Demarcus Walker was coming in in those obvious passing downs and rushing from the inside. Well, now that's going to be an opportunity for Javon Dexter to be on the field a little bit more. You would expect Dominique Robinson, who's been inactive for a long stretch here, to get a jersey again uh, and figure into the rotation. Um, but the Bears' defense is, has played really well. Now, the the other little wrinkle on the Bears' injury report this week is uh, Jaquan Brisker did not practice on Thursday afternoon with a groin issue, popped up on the injury report on Wednesday. And so that's one to keep an eye on because that was a, a new one uh, on Wednesday afternoon. And, and now that uh, threatens to, to keep him out on Sunday, but we'll see where that goes uh, over the next 24, 48, 72 hours. And then obviously we'll have uh, we'll have kickoff on Sunday with a, a, a pretty whole Bears team overall ready to take on a, a beaten up Brown squad. Just to clarify, DJ Moore had an ankle situation landed on the injury report on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. I think it sounds like just a Veterans Day. He talked about maybe having it injured last Sunday against the Lions, but doesn't yeah. look at the serious thing. Well, look, he, he, I mean, he he came off the field for about three plays on Sunday, and you were like, uh-oh, what happens to this offense if DJ Moore is gone? Back on the practice field today, was moving around. It didn't look like 100% DJ Moore, but but Tyke Tolbert, who we talked to uh, late in the afternoon, said that that it's trending in the right direction and that, that that there's every expectation that that won't be something that affects DJ's game status, and, and thankfully it won't because DJ Moore has been an absolute uh, firecracker for this Bears offense all season. So health is a huge factor, and I think it gives the Bears hope and a lot of Bears fans uh, the feeling that something good could happen in Cleveland. I get all that. It also is the scene of Justin Fields' first start, which makes this a full-circle moment. You go back uh, to the 2021 season, and he was exposed against the Browns. Six of 20, nine sacks. Matt Nagy kind of left him uh, out there exposed and it's been a long time ago, and I know that you, nobody, you've been there for every step of the way. Does, when Fields talked about that moment when he met the media on Wednesday, did he say much about it that you think was revealing? <laughs> How would you sum up, the, or has he repressed that memory forever? No, I thought it was funny because he was asked, you know, do you have a, a memory of that afternoon? He said, of course. It was my first NFL start. Everybody was excited, had, had people there. And, of course, I remember getting sacked, too. Nine times, as you mentioned, nine sacks in that game, uh, six completions. The Bears walked out of, out of First Energy Stadium, as it was called at that time, with one net passing yard and less than 50 total yards of offense and a absolutely demoralizing loss. But it's such a long time ago. Um, and, and so, like, Justin knows this is a new stage of his career. It's an important time for this current team to try to go win a football game against a, a defense as depleted as it is. It's still got plenty of teeth to it, particularly up front with guys like Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith coming after him. And so um, this is a really cool challenge. It's a well-timed challenge. Um It's well-timed because we want Justin to take these tests in playoff atmospheres with things on the line at this stage of his season. And it's well-timed in another way because that defense isn't 
at full strength. And it gives you an opportunity to maybe go after them uh, and attack them in certain ways. Jim Schwartz is a, a coordinator who's going to throw a lot of man coverage at you. There's a danger in playing man coverage against Justin Fields because if he gets out with his legs and he's scrambling and you don't have eyes on him, all of a sudden uh, uh, what, what should be a, a six-yard run becomes a 55-yard touchdown, you know, as, as a lot of opponents last year saw. And so that chess match, that cat-and-mouse game will be really interesting to watch on Sunday. And they have a guy who is the consummate game wrecker, fits the definition in Miles Garrett, 13 sacks this year. But, Dan, he's gone three games without a sack. Maybe I just jinxed him, but that's an eternity for a guy like that. Heck, he had four and a half the last time or yeah. the game we're talking about, four and a half of the nine when that Justin Fields first start came courtesy of Miles Garrett. I think this is an opportunity. The Bears, you know, they have a fullback and maybe he'll be in the game on, on third down and passing downs. They have Mercedes Lewis. Yep. They can give their tackles help if necessary. I don't know if you want to expose <laughs> either tackle even as good as Darnell Wright has been at times, I don't know that you want to ask him to block Miles Garrett one-on-one on third and nine. So there are ways that Luke Getze can accommodate uh, or adjust to what Miles Garrett uh, poses defensively. At the same time, this is the number one overall defense for a reason, and even injured, they're going to come after you. Well, and the other thing that they do with Garrett that's super intriguing is they move him around a lot. You know, right. one snap he'll be on the edge, one snap he'll be lined up inside, one snap he'll be over the center, and the next snap he'll be standing up and, and rushing from that position. And so you, you're you going to have to account for him not knowing where he's going to be in a given situation. And so that, that puts a lot on Luke Getze. It puts a lot on Justin Fields. It puts a lot on the protection unit to figure this out, you know, both before the game and, and within the game. And, and, and don't forget that this this game is being played in Cleveland, as I, I know you know, which means that this Browns defense has been particularly stingy on their home turf. And part of that is because of the noise that is created inside that building. And so you have to be really on top of it with your silent cadence and and, and being able to be on uh, the ball because the, 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 the Browns defensive line and Miles Garrett in particular will time things up and, and, and they'll get that extra little half step on you. And Braxton Jones said that's going to be just really key for him to be able to understand, um, you know, the, the, the ins and outs of that and be able to, 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 to try to uh, account for that and contain Miles Garrett in that way. They can do those things with a special player like Garrett. They can get that half step and maybe that's what's made the difference for them this season. This is the, the thing you can't predict or project. Justin Fields, can gain a half step as well. This is where those special qualities, you want to rely on them if you can, if you're the Bears. This is what you can't really, I guess, from a fan or media standpoint, count on. If Justin Fields, he's as capable of breaking a long one against the Browns because Jim Schwartz maybe blitzed and he he eluded it and all of a sudden he takes off 55 yards later, he's celebrating. This is the kind of game that you could see Justin Fields taking over. You could see him being rattled. It could go either way. That's yeah. a wide range of possibilities when you have a quarterback who's as dynamic as he is. But he has been protecting the football, Dan. That's one of the bigger developments. Last three games, he's, he's not throwing an interception. Yeah, and, and Mark Potash reminded me earlier in the week that it was his last pass of the Vikings game before he got hurt. That was an interception, so really easy to keep track of the count. 93 passes and counting since his last interception. And and look, like Matty Berflus was was really clear about how pleased he is with that and understanding that the, the growth of a young quarterback, particularly with what the Bears want Justin Fields to do, is to protect the football and, and do those things. Um a good exchange with Matt just kind of on, on on what he sees in terms of Justin's ball security as a passer. Uh, here was that uh, from Wednesday afternoon. 
pocket presence is better. Uh, the rhythm and timing is better. Uh, him being able to, once he starts to create, uh, before he exits uh, to look down the field, that's been really good. Um, you know, the, the taking care of the football, um, you know, in terms of interceptions, um, that's been good as of late. Um, you know, a perfect game for a quarterback, like I said, is zero take, you know, zero turnovers. And uh, that gives us a chance to win the game. So I'm um, just continuing to do that. What do you attribute the, the streak now without an interception to? What has what is, what is helped him in that regard? Uh, just him being mindful of it and us, you know, visiting about it, you know, before the game. You know, we visit on Saturdays and, you know, when the game plan's all in and we talk about that. And, and uh, you know, he knows how important it is to the football team, to the success of the football team. Got to love those Saturday visits where you remind your quarterback not to throw an interception. <laughs> Spoken like a true defensive coach, right? Yeah. I think it's just it's just reminding your quarterback what to prioritize, you know. And I think that's been part of the the growth process here for the last two years is understanding um, how to use your your playmaking artistry and your playmaking flair for good without. Uh, putting the the ball in harm's way, which then puts the team in harm's way, and so there there has been growth there. I asked Justin about the interception streak uh, on on Wednesday as well, and he promptly knocked on the wooden lectern that he was standing behind to to say, "Yeah, I'm obviously aware that there's been progress recently, but we've got to keep it going." Um, and so that, that that's an important part of of, of the development here. And uh, as you know, uh, living through the Lovey Smith era, when when you can get yourself on the right side of that turnover margin with your quarterback doing his part, all of a sudden it increases your chances to get that momentum. Yeah, the takeaways, they mean a lot more when you're not giving the ball away yourself. And I think that's been a key thing. So 93 passes, three games, there's all the numbers that tell you that Justin Fields is making some progress as a passer. There's also the eye test. And I think that's the hard thing to quantify, the pocket presence which is why I thought it was interesting. Luke Getze on Thursday at Hallis Hall addressed the improvements Justin Fields has made in terms of pocket presence. Biggest thing behind all that that I've mentioned in here before is just the awareness of what's going on around you, right? I think that when you know what you're doing, when you know what the people around you are doing, um, I think that gives you comfort to go play a little more free. And then the more he plays, the more that, that's going to continue to grow. And I think that's more of a natural progression for, for a young guy. Pocket presence is, is not a – it's one of the hardest things that that position has to do, right? you got these crazy – beast all over it, like running, running around all over the place. And how do you avoid, when is it time to escape? When is it time to slide and throw? And, and by no means do we, you know, Justin and I will both, will both stand here and say, we're not where we want to be with that, but the improvement continues to grow each and every week for sure. I mean, David, it's, it's something that is hard to coach, you know, I mean, you can emphasize it, you can reinforce it, you can give little tips, but ultimately it, it's a feel thing that comes through experience. And, and, and the hope is that the more experience you get, the more you develop it, because as Luke said there, sometimes the more experience you get, the more you understand what's going on around you. That's both within your offense and what defenses are trying to do to you. And so then you, you develop that uh, heightened feel and that ability to surf and move and, and understand what that dance looks like. In fairness, it's hard to coach because it's a balance you're trying to strike between letting him play freely with also providing him the structure of an offense that you can, you know, have the right plays called in the right sequence to to fool your defense and to move the chains and do all those things. Like, I think it's an interesting contrast because you've got Getsy that's trying to strike that balance. You've got an immensely gifted athletic quarterback in fields. And you've got on the other side, Kevin Stefanski, who's done a terrific job. The scheme is in place so well that they've won games with four different quarterbacks this year. And it is more game manager than game breaker. Cam Newton would love the Browns. <laughs> uh, but you look at the, what the bears have, they're trying to do with, with Justin Fields and it is a little bit trickier than it looks. And so some of these intangibles 
are are nice to see because it implies a quarterback that 35, 36 starts into his NFL career might be starting to grasp some things out of the nuances of the position. Yeah, grasping it and 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 being open to grasping it. You know, there there can right. be some stubbornness when you have struggles as a quarterback and you you start to tune things out. But I, to Justin's credit, he's been on board with all the things they've emphasized. You know, the other thing that we've talked about really, you know, heavy since since August and September is that you know changing the TAR, the tuck and runs into the SATs, the scramble and throws. You know, and you've seen Justin become much better as an extended play thrower and and be conscious of the danger that that presents to a defense in doing that. And so again, to his credit, he's embraced all these things. And now it's just a matter of how, how, how far up the ladder can you climb how quickly and which way it goes. Now I'm going to throw another little wrinkle at you because at um, Thursday's practice during individual drills as Justin's throwing towards the net as part of their early practice things. There, there's a, a stretch there where he throws a pass and comes up wincing a little bit, kind of, moving his shoulder a little bit and a, a, a bunch of us standing on the sideline watching that are going, Oh gosh, he's not on the injury report, which uh, indicates that he hasn't had to, to, to get treatment for that at this point, but it's just something to keep an eye on because he took a little bit of a beating against the lions on Sunday. And there were moments in that game where you're like, okay, he got hit and you can see it, the look on his face that there's a little bit of discomfort. Um, you know, just, just drop that in there, just drop yeah. that in there before we get to Sunday, just well, so we, ha- we have it in in case something happens Sunday. Of the season, even though he took a few games off in the middle of the season, there's still the cumulative effect of the, phys- the physical toll that a season takes on a quarterback, especially when it takes the beating that he does, which brings us to our last <laughs> topic before we get into the numbers game and our predictions. It's been a loud week, or maybe a little bit louder week at Howell Saul. You've got Jaquan Brisker speaking on Justin Fields' behalf. Justin asks about the fact that he doesn't get the flags. Matt Eberflus explaining why he doesn't go berserk or ballistic or make it more of a public issue. Dan, where do you come down on what the right amount of rhetoric is and the effect it has when it comes to Justin Fields not getting the flags or the calls that a lot of other quarterbacks may get? Well, to be clear, most of the rhetoric out of out of Lake Forest this week has been fished. You know, it's the people have been have been soliciting it and getting it. You know, there was one obvious egregious hit on on Sunday against the Lions. First play of the game, Justin scrambles, slides, and Jack Campbell lands on him. In the moment, you know, you you watch that play and you go, "How does he not?" get that call. Why, why is there not a flag out there? You watch on Monday night and, and Tommy DeVito takes a similar hit and doesn't get a flag. And Brian Dable loses his mind on the sideline. And I think people want Matt Eberflus to go crazy and, and put on a show to let the officials know this is not acceptable. But like Matt's going through procedures. He's talking with the officials before the game. He's sending it in the league. They're trying to do their best to get their quarterback some protection. I do think that, that Justin takes more than his fair share of borderline hits from opposing defenses. Justin also is a unique player that um, defenses have to account for his speed and power. And so it's, it, it is borderline and it is difficult for officials to officiate. It's a, it, it, it's a hard thing to do. He, he, he needs to get calls like the one that happened on the first play of the game. Sonny, I'll let you go there and then I'll maybe tackle. How on much do you think it does really come down to respect? How much do you think is affected by any, external noise that's created leading Not into a game zero. you really don't think it factors in no i think it has to do with the kind of player he is i think i i think it's it's just like it's really hard to officiate a guy who is running as a scrambler who is running as a designed runner who you know there, there's just a, a lot of plays within a game where you have to to figure it out and when you've got a guy that fast and then there's you know he closes ground and a guy's trying to pull up and he you know there was one the other day that looked 
bad, but it was only because the the defensive back was trying to jump over Justin, and Justin popped up from his slide and ran. Right. And then you're just like that that that's not going to get a flag. But wouldn't, that, wouldn't Lamar Jackson get those calls? Wouldn't the MVP get those calls? I don't know. Cam Newton didn't get them. You know, he was an MVP, and it was just Cam's six five and two sixty, and it just it just you know it was just different. So um, I will I will say this in a joking manner: our friends at CHGO have been hammering this storyline this week, hammering it every day, hammering it some more every day, locker room, podium, assistant coaches in the midway out here. And I, I, I joked with Colleen Kane, my colleague at the Tribune, I said, by the end of this week, I wouldn't be surprised if Congress got involved and Jack Campbell was facing jail time with the way that this inquest is escalated. But we'll see how that plays out on the field Sunday in Cleveland, because it will certainly be a storyline and it'll probably be talked about. And you would imagine that Matty Berflus would bring it to the officiating crew's attention once again. Last thing I would say in this is that with Matt Eberflus, I as much as there have been a couple of times, I haven't quite gone full uh, meatball, but I, I did at one point say that he could be a little bit louder and more vocal. And, you know, it's more of an NBA type of thing. You go back and NBA coaches are more vocal about not getting calls and you don't want to get to that. But Matt Eberflus, in the way that he has explained his method and his rationale and his approach is very much in character. Yeah. So I think that had he or do, if he ends up being the loud screamer and goes full Ditka on somebody, I think it might come off as disingenuous and it might come off as a little bit of a, of a stunt. So I, I, I suppose you like coaches who stay within themselves and are who they are. So that's exactly what Matt Eberflus is going to do when it comes to this. The chatter on this topic has been loud inside this building this week. It'll be interesting to see how much those sound waves travel and where they get to by the time we get to game game day on Sunday afternoon in Cleveland. Um, yeah, you know, another another sort of intriguing subplot in a Justin Fields uh, saga right now that has got a lot of cool storylines attached to it uh, as he goes to take a pretty big test Sunday. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's get into our numbers game and our predictions. All right, Dan, every week, chicagotribune.com numbers package. Always enjoy it. How about giving us a sampling of what uh, is going to be in there this week? All right. Since we're talking about Justin Fields, I'll give you uh, the number three. And that's the number of passing touchdowns Justin Fields threw in the first half in his last visit to Cleveland. I know we all want to talk about week three in 2021, Justin's first start as a rookie. But the last time he walked into this building, David, uh, in Cleveland, he, he threw in a preseason finale in 2022. <laughs> he completed 14 of 16 passes for 156 yards and three touchdowns before halftime. Those touchdown passes, by the way, were to Ryan Griffin, Dante Pettis, and Cole Komet. So the demons from that uh, – First year start in Cleveland were vanquished a year ago. Is that the way it works? And not, yeah, they're gone. The preseason vanquished those, and now Justin's got a chance to, to write a new chapter on Sunday. That's not a bad one, but I don't think that's the way it works. I still <laughs> think that the, if, if Miles Garrett is playing, I don't think he played, Miles Garrett did not play in that game. So if he's on the field, I'm think I'm going back to his first career start. But what's the next one? All right, 12. It's the number of Cleveland Browns currently on injured reserve. That includes six week one starters. You're talking about Jack Conklin, Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, Jedrick Willis. On the offensive side of the ball, you're talking about Grant Delpit put there this week, Rodney McLeod, another safety. And pretty soon, it's possible that Agbo Okoronkwo, I had to try to pronounce that and practice that before the show, Agbo Okoronkwo could be headed there with a pec injury. He won't play this weekend. And so you look at this team. We talked about it in the opening. Uh, Ethan Pochett, uh, uh, Stinger, Joel Batonio, he's banged up. David Njoku didn't practice on Thursday. He's got a knee problem. Dewan Jones, out. Maurice Hurst, out. All these other guys that are on injured reserve or, 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 or currently just not practicing and, and likely unavailable, that team is beat up. And that's a, uh, a problem for Cleveland and a nice, nice timing uh, gift for the Bears. That's a good one. I, I like that one because it also just speaks to just how why this game is more. Uh, I, I think why the Bears have a chance in this game. Why people are thinking the Bears can actually do something in this game. I mean, Cleveland is that's a lot of players to be without at this stage of the season. All right, I have one for you, and it's three and one. Is that a number? That's a statistic. Three and one. And now we got it down there to get it to later, but I want to get into it now. The Bears are three and one when they win the coin toss <laughs> and take the ball. And I, I don't think it's as simple as people want to make it out to be. The analytics you can find that you should defer, you should avoid the double dip and all the things and reasons why you do and follow conventional wisdom. Dan, I don't mind it from the Bears perspective. I think it's case by case. But number one, they have an offense that you can look at the numbers and the analytics and says they're very good in the first quarter. The yards per play, yards per rush, yards per pass, all very positives in top five or ten in the league. And secondly, when you have a defense that wants to be aggressive and is fueled by the attack, like a lot of defenses are, especially this one, if you get an early lead, it changes the way that you approach that game plan defensively. So I think the Bears easily can justify going against the grain and I understand why Matt Eberflus is doing what he's doing. And I almost like respect it because it'd be so easy for a coach on the hot seat to say, well, I am so afraid of the reaction to this. It is against the grain and I'm going to follow the analytics. And he's saying the opposite. He's going to listen to his guy, Harry Freed. And he's going to say, well, you know what? This makes sense for us. So this is what I'm going to do. 
Well, yeah, I was going to say part of his explanation on Wednesday was talking about the discussions he has regularly with Harry Freed and, and coming up um, with kind of the, the spreadsheet or whatever you want to call it, matching up the strengths of your team early in a game versus the weaknesses of another team early in a game and trying to, to figure out what the calculus is there. You mentioned it. They've they've won the toss four times and taken the ball those times. I'd have to go back and, and double check how many times they've lost the toss and gotten the ball because the other team naturally defers and where they're at. Um, the key here is just making sure that if you're going to take the ball first, you go capitalize on that opening drive. Last week's a perfect example where, and we'll get into some of this a little bit later, where you go and you put together a a energizing opening drive touchdown march and it ends with a, a a fun play at the end of it and you felt the stadium come alive and so the emotions that play into these things are are, are significant now the momentum changed on you before halftime and if your defense doesn't come out to start the second half playing like it did you've got a chance to be down 20 to 10 at, with the lions you know scoring 10 unanswered points without uh, you having the ball really, you know, and so so there's a danger to it. But I think to your point, there's also a feel to it. There's a strength versus weakness matchup to things, and 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 the Bears are are you know going with what feels right to them, and and you know three and one certainly would feel great to everybody if that that continues. All right, back to your numbers because I just wanted to get that in there before we before I forgot. Yeah, last one I have for you is six, and that's stopping the season at week four. <laughs> when the Bears were on four and restarting it at week five. And there are six NFC teams that have had a winning record since the start of week five. The Bears are one of them. The Dallas Cowboys are an NFC best seven and two. The 49ers, Eagles, Lions, and Vikings all six and three. And then those Bears, five and four, would be the number six seed in, 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 the, in the NFC <laughs> if we could just erase what happened weeks one through four. See, I... I am not going to d- deny the progress that we've seen. And it's great yeah. to experience. But you also just can't eliminate the first month. <laughs> Wait, I, I, mean, I just did. I just did it. I we know we did. play off football. I know. It's good. great to do. And and I think that that's what Matt Aberflus wants us to do. <laughs> I get it. But, like, you know, finishing strong is great. Starting strong is great, too. So that is an interesting number, though. It does indicate that things are trending in the right direction. Um, which when is, I, play, I think, building a lot of momentum going into Cleveland. When I play golf, sometimes I get to the, the end of the round and I just say, you know what? I'm erasing the numbers on the first four holes and I just shot 72. I, I <laughs> Well, you can't do that. That's cheating. I mean, that's oh, cheating. Okay. Okay. And, and the thing is, it's like, that, that's what makes you think like, okay, if, if only they had a preseason. Hmm. They did. Right. They ignored the preseason. They took September as the preseason. And they're paying for it. And if it yeah, costs him his job, he'll regret it. But I don't know if it cost him his job based on the way things are trending. Let's get studs in here to make our predictions. All right, studs. Voila. There he is. <laughs> My hand and he appears. So this is a game where there's – I've been struck by, and I shouldn't be surprised, tons of optimism in Chicago. I said this, I said this morning on the radio, Chicago sports don't – fans and media we don't always handle success that well and i think we're a little drunk with it this week so that brings us to our predictions bears and browns browns are eight and five playing at home in december with the super bowl winning quarterback joe flacco elite he's elite okay <laughs> now he's 38 as well he's an elite 38 year old studs what do you think so i actually specifically because what you were saying right there david i really tried to look at this game and and not 
get overly optimistic and not like drink the Kool-Aid, if you will, because like, you know, it is fun coming off of the, the win against the lions and, you know, winning two in a row for the first time in the two years. And so I, then I look at all the injuries the Browns have. I look at Joe Flacco who look, yeah, he was really good in a playoff run at one point and is a respected veteran, I guess. But I think I, I look at this similar to what I did against the against the Vikings a few weeks ago on Monday night. Josh Dobbs was coming in, had been playing pretty well, but I was thinking, and a lot of people were thinking he's going to slide back to 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 reality, if you will. I look at the Joe Flacco the same way. I don't think he's going to play as well as he has the last couple weeks. I think he's going to come back to reality a little bit. I think it's going to be a, a dog fight, if you will, in the in the dog pound. And it's going to be one of those games where teams are scratching for points, but not the same way it was with Minnesota, where really they're just both playing terrible. So I I, I got the Bears winning 19 to 16. And uh, you know, I'll go ahead and call another Cairo Santos walk off fuel just for the heck of it. That'd be great. They should reward it that if it happens with a trip to Brazil next year. That'd be great. Hold that thought. Uh, Studs and I have been on the same page the last two weeks, and I have the same point total for the Cleveland Browns, 16. I have the Bears scoring 17. I have the Chicago Bears winning their third consecutive game with a road upset of the Cleveland Browns. David, I had no intention of leaning this direction when the week began. I thought this Browns defense was exactly the kind of defense that was going to bring the Bears back to reality. I thought we were going to wake up on Monday with the entire city shouting at Luke Getze again for not being able to manage any momentum in in a game that the Bears badly needed. That injury report has swayed me all week long. The number of names that have been added to it, the number of names that are still on it, the number of guys that aren't going to play this weekend, and you couple that with the Bears' overall health on both sides of the ball, and you just say sometimes in December the healthier team wins. In this case, the healthier team is the Chicago Bears. They win. They get to 6-8. and eight. Wow. That's a big prediction. Oh, by the way, I think we didn't really cover. Maybe it didn't happen this week at Howell Saw the, the Luke Getzey bus toss. I did not get, did not get that uh, uh, memo. Did they cancel that this week? He sounded like he was pretty good at the podium. <laughs> I don't think he. There's no bus. There's no bus. He was great at the podium as usual. <laughs> I, I there was. I, I think there was a lot. A lot more, uh, at least on the Bernstein and Home show, there was like, "Hey, we're glad to hear him take a, like full accountability for yeah. the for messing up for, for, yeah, for yeah for the fourth and one play with DJ Moore and him saying I didn't have Justin prepared enough on that play, and I thought Look, that that was a little works, a, a little a tiny little thumb point, you know, just a little bit. So yeah, that's, he, that's that was good. It was really good. That's we've so, never really heard him do that. We all have kind of similar uh, approaches. You know, attrition is impossible to ignore. I don't have a ton. I'll, I'll probably regret this uh, Sunday night when we're talking about it. Uh, I, I don't have a ton of faith in Flacco, despite the fact that he can still wing it. I do respect him. I was a Flacco guy back when he, they were debating whether or not he was elite. Um, but I think that the Bears can get to him. I think Montez Sweat can get to him. And I think in the dog pound, this defense will bear its teeth and the Bears will control the game defensively. I've got it 1917 Bears. Maybe it will be a last second Santos field goal. I'm not sure what it will be. It'll probably be one touchdown and four field goals, and the Bears got to feel good about the kicker. In that environment, Justin Fields protects the football. And this is the other thing. The Bears are only one of two teams that are in the top five in the league in terms of rushing offense and rushing defense. The 49ers are the other. That's something they need to lean into. That's part of their identity. And when they do that this week against the Browns team full of backup backups, I think they win the game. 
and they get out of there and they're six and eight and it makes next week a little bit more entertaining. Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, the backs that they're going to have to keep their uh, their arms around this weekend. Oh, so we're all taking the under on this one. Over under is 38 and a half and we're still hitting the under for all three of us. <laughs> wow. Feel, feels safe. It yeah. does feel <laughs> it, very yeah, safe. I don't, yeah, I, I would, if, if I were to make a bet, I would take the under. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's wrap things up with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. All right, Dan, so a lot of talk about the Bears' defense and what it is capable of. And I think that uh, at Hal saw you were there when Dave Borgonzi talked about the defensive surge. Do you want to set that up before we hear from Coach Borgonzi? Yeah, no question. You know, you just feel the the energy of that group rising week by week by week, and it's backed up by production from all three levels. And so, uh, you know, we had a chance to, to pick Dave Borgonzi's uh, brain on, on what he sees from his seat in terms of the increased momentum of this defense and the increased productivity. Here's some of, the, uh, of what he had to say on Thursday afternoon. Thought about that a lot because when you have those moments during the season, you have some hard moments where maybe not playing as well, as you want to play, um, but you trust your defense, you trust your systems in place, and you got to weather the storm a little bit. And, you know, we, we talk about the foundation of our defense and, and what we do, and you're going to have moments where it's not going to look great sometimes, and you got to overcome those, and you got to trust your systems in place and, and keep, you know, you don't have to change the whole defense, right? You just got to execute it better. Uh, we did a really cool thing in training camp this year where, you know, we had different coaches come up and talk, <clears throat> coaches who have been in Super Bowls or won Super Bowls, um, Coach Curtis talked to the team. Uh, Coach Hightower talked when he was in San Francisco. Curtis when he was in New York on those Super Bowl teams. And uh, they talked about the season, you know, they won the Super Bowl. And, what, you know, and the, the common thing when those guys talked was the adversity they had to overcome. They've had moments in the season where it wasn't good. And they came out on the other side of it because they, they had really good leadership. They had a good foundation and they trusted the process. The collective fulfillment of, of being where you're at now, where, where there, there is an obvious momentum behind everything you're doing. What, what, what is that like to be a part of when you're on a surge like this? It's a lot of fun. Um, it is. And when you're playing well, um, you know, it creates a lot of energy and juice. And, you know, right now we're playing well and, and you got to maintain that. Um, and, and you don't have to do anything extra or special. You just got to do your job. I know it sounds cliche, but that's the truth. Um, 
And so I think we're all excited about where, where we're going. Um, we just have to have the you know singular focus of, of you know playing good ball on Sunday. Good stuff, Dave Borgonzi, one of those Bears assistant coaches that I think it is kind of cliche, but since the absence and departure of Allen Williams, this Bears defensive staff has found a way to come together and and whatever they're doing, they're doing it well, they're doing it right because this is a, a unit that's responded to whatever adversity and certainly getting Montez Sweat helped, but they were trending in the right direction even before that happened. Yeah, and, and guys are in sync with one another, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, I'm the juice guy. You know that I'm I'm the juice salesman here at Hellas Hall, and so there is juice, and it, it it's it's been squeezed, and 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 they're ready to to sell it to the masses. One of those big reasons why, uh, little nugget, Jalen Johnson now is Pro Football Focus's most highly rated. He's number one in terms of cornerbacks uh, in grades. I think he's grading out at ninety. He's uh, in the top five, I think, in interceptions around the league. He's getting the takeaways. He's having the kind of season that he envisioned. He's backing up the big talk. Dan, I, I got snapped out on the radio by our uh, colleague Brad Biggs for daring to ask about a rumor that's out there being discussed. That is kind of the wor- way the world works now. There was a rumor that Jalen Johnson had agreed to a contract extension. Not necessarily is that going to happen, but we- could you see him and the Bears – talking about such a thing before the season ends. Uh, And look, I think both sides have made it pretty clear that they want to get toward um, the off season to, to have these discussions. And uh, Jalen has earned the right to, to potentially walk into the open market and see what he's worth there. Uh, I think that would certainly be intriguing with all the things that you just mentioned. Um, We're going to, you know, we have been talking about the Jalen Johnson contract situation for a while we're going to continue to talk about it i will side with brad on the the stance that when somebody we've never heard of just because they have a blue check mark throws some something with with some numbers in it into a tweet and the rest of the world starts to eat it up like koi in a koi pond eat spit then that tells you what kind of kind of world we're in because it just it's been it was crazy i I, in my opinion on on wednesday for what was it? Some dude named MJ Hurley who no one had ever heard about put something out there to right. spread like wildfire, like it did that had no validity to it. And then people saying, not even sure if this is true, but something to keep an eye on. Well, like at some point we've got to get better checks and balances. and There's got to be a filter, but I, th- but I yeah. think that's part of the role of the people who are in a position to provide it, the checks and balance. That's, that's what I think. And, and so I, I know where you're coming from. It is a nuisance. And I get that. I also think that when you are in a position to separate fact from fiction, it's not, it's not something that happens every day. And it is something that rose to the level. Social media is a thing we all have to acknowledge how it's changed the it's way gross. we do jobs. It is gross. And there are some downsides. So, but I, I did have a problem with addressing it. I don't. I didn't have a problem with clearing it up. That's why I asked the question. It's twice okay. Now. It's okay to address it, and I guess clear it up as long as you're very emphatic that like this is a absolute. It's it's a, a non-substantive rumor that was made up out of thin air, apparently. But that's that. And I think both of you guys might feel differently if you had 22 hours of airtime to fill a week. <laughs> okay. So, uh, all right. So the other thing, what is the slim shady thing that I hear of? being discussed that's slim the name. shady to me is uh you know one of the favorite rap best rappers of all time but what what is slim shady where's he from eight mile in detroit yes it was the name of the play that dj moore scored the bears opening drive touchdown on last week that was the play call that when braxton jones heard it in the huddle on that opening drive last week said 
Perfect. This is the perfect call for the perfect situation. I know we're going to score part of my storylines package every week. Uh, ChicagoTribune.com includes a, a little bit of a, a, I'm not going to call it a deep dive, but a, a shallow dive into Slim Shady and the play that the Bears run to get seven points out of their opening drive last week. A lot of cool things happened on that play, Dave. Not uh, the least of which is the origins of it with the Bears having their kind of regular brainstorming session between their offensive coaches, taking on ideas from other uh, coaches and, and things they've seen either in the college or the pro game, deciding that there was something here to play around with, matching it to their personnel. And then if you look at it, uh, there's a little bit of Philly special to it without the give to Justin Fields to throw back the other way. That's right. DJ Moore keeps it. You get a great block from, from Braxton Jones on the edge. You get a 181 pound receiver, Trent Taylor mixing it up with Alex Anzalone. You get a wrestling match between Roshan Johnson and Aiden Hutchinson, and you get DJ Moore uh, racing to the end zone. And as Tyke Tolbert said, untouched until Lucas Patrick grabbed him off the wall behind the end zone. And so <laughs> pretty cool way to put it. Cool play in a cool win. And it, to me, it just signified the fun that returned to Soldier Field on Sunday in that signature win. It's a great example it's a great explanation and luke getsy basically had one shot one opportunity <laughs> well done advantage well done that. So, well done well the last thing i wanted to mention from my standpoint is that there's something that will get bears fans interested or curiosity peaked uh charles robinson longtime yahoo nfl writer had a story that was posted on thursday afternoon i believe looking at the bears quarterback situation and Putting into uh, digital space and, and giving voice to something we've been talking about a long time. Do you move on from Justin Fields? What is the allure of Caleb Williams? He talked to seven different general managers. All seven essentially said that if given the choice, they would likely trade Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams. We are a long way from having to make a final decision, but it does speak to what's out there in the NFL uh, you know, cyberspace and, and what they're talking about amongst themselves. Nothing against Justin Fields. You can do two things. You can appreciate the growth that he has made and maybe the consistency with which he'll end this season and still believe that the Bears might be in a position to financially make their path a little bit clearer by going to a rookie quarterback and also just upgrade the position if their talent evaluators believe that Caleb Williams is a generational talent. So this is an ongoing conversation, but Charles Robinson did a nice job in, in adding to it with the Yahoo Sports story on Thursday afternoon. Something we've talked about a dozen times about how the Bears situation is affected by circumstance. And again, if they were going to be picking eighth, this is not a discussion that gets the legs that it currently has, but they have the godsend of the Carolina Panthers pick for April. And it looks like it's almost certainly going to be number one overall. And so these discussions are difficult. They're, they're, this is a decision that's going to be complicated. It's going to be layered, but you understand why it's a decision that, that, creates intrigue for the general manager and the people in this building. Because if you can add a star quarterback and no one's promising you that Caleb Williams is going to be a star quarterback, but if you believe that he can be and you're adding him to a roster that is growing in every way and, and, and making obvious improvement. Oh my God. I mean, your, your window opens wide open. Now it's up to Ryan Poles and his talent evaluation staff to really go deep on, on, on Caleb Williams and what makes him a great player on what makes him tick as an individual on how he's going to handle struggle and failure and pressure and the fishbowl and all those things that, that we talk about. If you decide that, that he, he's going to pass all those tests, it's a hundred percent a, uh, 
consideration you have to make, and then you've got to make that tough decision. It's not easy, but it, it is certainly within uh, the, the the realm of possibility, and you hear that in the report that you just mentioned from Charles Robinson. Great stuff. We'll continue to conver- uh, talk about this moving forward. The conversation is ongoing as well, and we will check in Sunday night from uh, after the Browns game because you'll be in Cleveland. I'll be back in Chicago, and we'll talk about what happens uh, with the Bears and the Browns at the Dog Pound. Opportunity for the Bears to improve to 6-8 and eight and win their third game in a row. It's real, and it could be there for the taking. Real quick, you mentioned the Brazil game earlier. Yeah. Uh, the NFL also had discussions earlier in the week between the owners about expanding the international package of games. It was a 31-1 to 1 vote in favor of expanding the international package of games. The lone dissenting vote was George McCaskey, who wants to work through some of the fine print on, on what creates the loss of a home game for a team. And according to a friend of the podcast, Jonathan Jones, who works at CBS uh, from the people he talked to, George said that he wants to protect certain games that come to soldier field and said, there are generational talents already in this league and people want to come watch Patrick Mahomes. People want to come watch Josh Allen. People want to come watch Jalen Hurts. And then he topped it off by saying, people want to come and watch Tommy DeVito. And apparently that got a big laugh from the, from the room. It was a sarcastic quip delivered as only George can deliver it. Uh, but, but the sort of response to all that is get your own generational talent and you won't have any trouble getting people coming to soldier field to watch anything you put on the field or anyone you play against because if you get one of those guys then it doesn't matter where you play amen that's funny george but i think <laughs> your answer is even better so that's interesting i hope they do it for cairo santos he deserves to go back to brazil if the bears play there next year he's the only brazilian player in the nfl and he said if he's not in the game, he'll take the weekend off to go to the game i thought that was pretty funny too i go i'll get my uh, passport renewed Oh, I would love to go to that game. That'd be a lot of fun Uh, in December, even better to get out of this cold (laughs) weather. Although it's been very nice in Chicago lately. We digress. All right. That's it for the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on 670 The Scores YouTube page. You can evaluate us, review us, subscribe, do all the things, and just come back Sunday night. We'll be back with the postgame pod to react to whatever happens at the dog pond between the Bears and the Browns. Anything else, Dan? That's it. All right, thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. We'll talk to you Sunday night. Great talk to you out there.